Hello, everybody. Welcome to your Heart in the Paint NBA podcast, the NBA podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, and uh, today I do not have Michael with me. He is out on some travel, travel, travel. So this will be a little bit of a quick one uh, since it's just me here in the studio. There won't be any video attached to this one this time, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll be back with him shortly. And we'll get you back with the live video as well as uh, he's working on getting some special guests lined up just to keep things exciting here in the studio. And uh, honestly, there hasn't been really a ton of exciting news to me, in my opinion, over this past week or so. So this might be a little bit of a half basketball, half tangent cast. But of course, before we get started getting into the news and such... Let's give a special shout out to our sponsor for this episode of the Heart in the Paint podcast, Aquafina. Aquafina is your select choice for purified drinking water. Viewed with a perfect taste by reverse osmosis, you too can enjoy the perfect water, perfect taste, and pure water of Aquafina brought to you by PepsiCo Inc., Find Aquafina at your local grocery store or go by going to aquafina.com today. Use promo code HARDINTHEPAINT for 10% off your order. So we'd like to give, of course, a special thank you to Aquafina for sponsoring this episode of the Heart in the Paint podcast. And with that, let's just jump right into the news. Uh, and I think this is probably the most interesting bit of news of this past week. And that is all of these hot takes and such going around that LeBron is toxic. Toxic in the locker room, toxic on the court. And this is the sneaky conspiracy that everybody has as to why Paul George didn't go there, why Anthony Davis is having a hard time going there, and now recently, Carmelo has even been rejected. So uh, it, it seems to me that start of the season uh it was kind of assumed anthony davis would show up there around the trade deadline and that didn't happen for one reason or another of course it was assumed last year that paul george was going to go there and that didn't happen for most likely the tampering reasons that adam silver put forth uh and and now it seems as if once carmelo got dropped by the rockets he was going to be going to the lakers now, this is really interesting because, of course, Carmelo has been pretty much dog shit the past two years in the NBA. His uh, value over replacement player has been in the negative reasonable margins, which, of course, tells you that he's not really a starter anymore. However, we got to keep the banana boat hopes alive. So Carmelo was wanting and i guess they were in talks to join the lakers however carmelo wants to play for a contender which is hilarious uh that the lakers are in fact now the 11th seed in the west tonight they play the nuggets uh pretty soon here actually and they have basically lost all their easy games and won all their hard games since this like uh 10 game stretch after the all-star break where Basically, the media has said this is, you know, the playoff push. This is LeBron James playoff mode activated. Um, and it's almost ironic in a sense that, you know, you'd think all these years we wanted Carmelo and LeBron on the same team. You know, obviously Carmelo's wife is the big L.A. sort of fangirl. There's always talks about, you know, 
Carmelo going to a contender, not having to be the primary load. And of course, OKC didn't really work out last year, thanks to the Jazz, of course. And now it seems like even the tragic slash ironic slash almost humorous catastrophe that is the Lakers' success this year is dissuading you know, scoring champion Carmelo Anthony from joining that roster. Now, that being said, there's still plenty of time for him to join on that team as there is a few days left before roster, rosters are locked in for the playoffs and, you know, being able to make or miss trades. Or, um, sorry, not trades. Uh, signing free agents. And this almost is... I, I don't even have words to explain it. It's like, oh, I'd love to see Carmelo on that team. You know, it'd almost be like a 2008 dream team with like Rondo, Melo, LeBron, Tyson Chandler, and Melo being reunited. You know, that'd be kind of fun to watch, but at the same time, it's like, it's almost like a YMCA old guys team at this rate with like a couple young spry dudes speckled around. Of course, the clip going around this week to show the microcosms of the Lakers season, the multiple times LeBron has opted to sit on the farthest end of the bench, multiple seats away from any of his teammates, being very quiet and unanimated, as well as a particular play from the Clippers game a couple days ago with a out-of-bounds play where LeBron did not close out on a shooter, and Kuzma shoved him into the shooter to assist LeBron on defense. Uh, LeBron, of course, having notoriously um, apathetic, I guess would be the right word, to his team's defense, opting to pull Harden and play exclusively offense. Uh, so now I have to question, of course, is this a good numbers, bad team instance for LeBron? I think it kind of is, actually. Of course, we also keep considering, is Lonzo Ball the reason why this team is sucking? And I don't think it is. I think, honestly, what has happened was the sort of trade talks have gone in everybody's head. Uh, some things have been going on probably in practice and sort of behind the scenes from what we can see. You'll notice this, I think, mostly with Ingram, how sort of once all these rumors broke and he was on the trading block, he started to kind of call his own number a lot more. Uh, play less like a team and a part of it too is harder schedule uh, teams finally getting into their grooves for the playoff pushes you know the Lakers came out kind of hot to start the season they were like top four in the west you know before Christmas uh, and then of course LeBron has his scoring pole he's out for a much longer than expected time uh, you know Rondo was out for a couple of games balls out obviously um, you know, just kind of some random things, and they they ship off Zubots to the Clippers, and they lose to the Clippers. Uh, so there's a very real chance that they still make the playoffs, and that chance is one percent right now. Of course, this Nuggets game tonight will kind of seal their fate. 
LeBron's been pretty good against the Nuggets historically. At least this version of the Nuggets, just because they don't really have a small forward to match up with him very well. I mean, your best bet's Paul Millsap, but Jokic really isn't the paint stopper that would dissuade LeBron from driving. They lost to Phoenix, of course, just yesterday. No, two days ago. Two days ago, excuse me. So it almost makes the Lakers, maybe this is a ploy to make the Lakers like must-watch TV, right? Because we're on this cusp of, are they going to make the playoffs? You know, every game matters. Primetime television for every single one of their games. Kind of like a couple years ago when you had that basically playing game with the two teams tied for the eighth seed in the West. I think it was the Timberwolves and the Nuggets. I mean, maybe that's his ploy. Maybe the ploy is jack up Lonzo's value by intentionally losing games. I I just don't know at this rate. Uh, it's, it's been told that Luke Wallen is now being fired at the end of the season without a doubt, which, of course, I think we all expected. I mean, what team has LeBron not joined and the coach hasn't been fired? It's only happened less than one time in his career. So now... Uh, I would like to mention an interesting stat, and the stat might not be true anymore, but it was true a couple days ago, and that was Trey Young being the leading points scorer since the All-Star break. So that's a pretty interesting stat for a team now and a narrative now that is now putting the Luka-Trey Young deal as almost a 50-50 split. You know, say probably the last 80% of the year we've been saying that deal was a steal by Dallas. They got the generational talent. Look how good Luka is. Is Luka going to lead them to the playoffs? And now that they sort of dumped all their assets to get Porzingis and a couple other pieces and free up cap space and have relegated themselves to tanking, I didn't know this. I found out today that Sham God is one of their um, assistant coaches. That has been training with Luca, so that's kind of cool. But now they've relegated themselves to the tank fest. That we now say that Trey Young's Hawks are sort of winning the deal, and somehow that's putting the rookie of the year conversation into perspective. I think they might have a point there. I mean, the bad news is, is we had a quadruple overtime game last week between the Hawks and the Bulls. For Trey Young, obviously put up some ridiculous stats because he basically got to play, you know, a whole extra quarter and almost a whole extra half with just overtime basketball in an extremely offensive game. And he got some strange accolades that put him in tears of Michael Jordan only type thing. But like I said, he basically played a whole other half of basketball. So, you know, are are we... My hype on Trey Young, I don't know. You know, he, I think he's been sort of given the nice lack of spotlight that Luca has had, that Fultz had, you know, some of these other guys have had. Sometimes, this, you know, being able to sort of mature at your own pace, um, you know, not have so much of uh, media flack on you. You know, think if, like, 
Trey Young went to New York. You know, he was been listed the savior of the franchise, all these media posts. You know, TV would be talking about him. They'd be talking about him on the jump, get up, all these other things. But he's in Atlanta. Everyone knows that team's bad. Nobody's really interested in him. And, you know, they're not so far out of the eighth seat of the East, really. Um, so, so that's going to be interesting. I think there's a reasonable chance that he might actually win Rookie of the Year. Luke has been not not playing as many games anymore. You know, I think it's really easy to overlook it since they aren't like almost a playoff team. I mean, because you think about that team, what it was before the trades. I mean, it was like, yeah, that's like an eighth or seventh seed team with Luca. And now it's, you know, if Porzingis is back and they've set themselves up for the future better and they've got some good other role players around them, they can sign a big free agent. Team could be really good, and I'm gonna keep my Dallas stock. I'm also gonna keep my Atlanta stock, most importantly as a spectator, because Atlanta has been rated as having the best food and drink experience of all the NBA stadiums by, I guess, whatever consumer rating and reporting agency. I had always expected this since there was those past couple years of them having to do like tinder nights and all these weird event nights just to get people to come and they lowered all their food prices and things like that um so good for the hawks good to see something well there in their wonky arena setting and now i guess we come to maybe the most important news for the finals and that is andrew bogut has been picked up by the warriors again so this is interesting news uh so you flash back to a couple years back when he was on that championship roster and then he went to i think he went to like milwaukee for a year and then he went to the australian basketball league and now that their season has ended because you got to think it's uh you know the seasons are flipped down there uh golden state's obviously trying to sign like a backup big instead of like kavon looney or demarcus cousins want a little more of a defensive backbone i think to that team that allows them to play big without boogie and maybe if boogie leaves in the offseason it doesn't leave them such a hole at that position uh, and I think this is crazy. I think this is like could be a sneaky reason why they win again. Like I don't know who their matchup would be, but if it, you know if it was against the Sixers or uh, you know even Toronto, you're gonna want a big dude in there that's not Boogie because Boogie's probably gonna foul out one way or another. And you know Gasol and Embiid are just so big bodies, and Bogut's such a good defensive agitator that it makes a lot of sense to get him on that team and they're obviously getting him real cheap it's gonna be a short stint you know if they win awesome uh not really an if at this rate i guess also if i sound a little bit weird take some sniffles or coughs or something i am a little bit under the weather right now 
also been news of Steve Ballmer expressing interest in wanting a new Clippers arena, potentially one separate from Staples. And this is his intention of going along with the Clippers being sort of pioneering this idea that the Clippers need to be treated as a not a sort of little brother team in the NBA. If they want to be true, you know, they're going to be a serious contender, make the playoffs like they are this year. They want to be a serious stake in the league. They need their own stadium. I think that's totally fair because they get all the secondhand Lakers gear pretty much. And obviously what other better place to do it than just put them in LA I think this is actually a ploy to move the Clippers to like San Diego, Anaheim, or in another city in California, uh, mostly because, you know, you got no space left in LA for another arena, do you? Like, really? San Jose, put them with the Sharks. A lot of choices there. Also, Steve Ballmer's like, really important behind the scenes because he's basically the tech wizard for much of the new NBA analytics uh, backbone with like Daryl Morey. So they've been kind of highlighting the technological behind the curtains of a lot of what's been going on uh, from a business perspective in the NBA. I think that is a nice transition into this past week. There was a big, Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, uh, which you can find all of the panels on YouTube right now. They're all super interesting. And a lot of them do talk about basketball. A particularly good one is uh, Bill Simmons had a one-on-one with Adam Silver. They talked a lot about the tampering, um, you know, the the push for under 18, or for uh, high schoolers to go straight in, um, sort of, the conundrum of social media and player empowerment and really how they solve some of these larger problems. And of course, Bill Simmons just, you know, he's had Adam on the podcast before, you know, he's talked to all these players and other insiders, uh, he's a great host. So really good panels about a little over an hour long, uh, really insightful, really interesting. I'm still going through some of the other ones that are a little more, uh, obviously numbers driven which is uh super interesting it's a little can be a little dry at times but if you're a big fan you don't like this you don't like nba basketball as the kings would say uh, as well as currently okc houston and portland are tied for the third seed uh, obviously the warriors and the nuggets are in a steady one and two right now which is great. I love this. Because this means we're going to get a really hype round one matchup with the 4-5. So if it was like Houston OKC at the 4 and the 5 for round one, that'd be so hype. At the same time, the Jazz have sneaky snuck up in the rankings after beating the Bucks at home last week. Was my mic on? There we go. The Jazz and the Bucks, of course, had a great matchup Saturday night with Donovan Mitchell scoring a career-high 46 points and a just insane crowd that 
was on its feet for basically the entire fourth quarter. Now, uh, the Jazz were down 16 at one point in the fourth, and basically Donovan had a single-handed comeback, most importantly due to the fact that Bledsoe was not playing. This was coming off the back-to-back with the Lakers the previous night in which Bledsoe basically single-handedly carried that team down the finish line. So I don't blame him for sending him out. However, you figured they would have sat Giannis out considering that with that Lakers win, Milwaukee had clinched the first playoff spot in the league. So I believe personally that Bledsoe would have been the deciding factor in that game if he was playing because instead you had Pat Connaughton guarding Donovan Mitchell. And there was even a time in that game, particularly in the first half, where the Bucks kind of gave it to the Jazz uh, with this big ball lineup of Giannis, Middleton, Ilyasova, Miritich, and Lopez, which is like a 6'8 and taller lineup, which is kind of crazy. Uh, the Jazz don't really have enough 6'8 talent to put around that to match up height-wise. Uh, so they have like Ingles, Royce, Crowder, Favors, and Gobert, which... It's not great because in that lineup, you don't have really the primary ball handler and playmaker of Mitchell or Rubio. And none of those are super great off the dribble guys. So it was a little tough to watch in the first half. And the refereeing seemed to be extremely one-sided to the Bucks, which just got the crowd riled up most of the game and made the comeback that much sweeter. It was just so hype, such a hype match. Uh, I'd I'd recommend watching those highlights. There's even a Ringer article saying that the Jazz are like the sneaky dark horse of the West right now, which um, I don't see them beating the Warriors, but I do see them could potentially knock off like a Portland or OK. I don't know if they knock off OKC this year, but, you know, they could definitely give Houston a problem. very interesting and unfortunately we've reached sort of the clinched spots and resting spots of the nba season i'd just like to pull up the current rankings and see who has clinched so the clinched spots right now of course in the east we have the bucks and the raptors uh, currently two and a half games apart clinching the one and twos and I guess the Heat have clinched the eighth spot. And the Knicks can still be in it somehow, but they should be faded pretty much any day here. Uh, and now for the West, the West 1-2 uh, has been the Warriors and the Nuggets have clinched at one and a half games apart. And then we're in this sort of tie for third in which the Rockets have clinched. However, the OKC Thunder and the Trailblazers have the same record right now. It's just, I think it's just a uh, games left and sort of tiebreaker scenario. And the Suns have been faded out already. So kind of surprising considering the Knicks are actually the lowest win rate in the league right now, but they haven't been faded yet. And the Lakers currently... Was this six games out of the eighth seed? Holy crap. That's not looking too good. So my question to the viewers is, 
on March 27th, the Lakers come into town versus the Jazz, and I would like to go see it, mostly to see LeBron uh, see him in person, because I don't think I'm going to get to a Lakers game in Staples. Uh, so do I go see that game, or is LeBron going to be resting, or is the Jazz going to be resting? And, you know, what do we make of resting personally? I see the value in it. You know, there's some talk on the Adam Silver interview of maybe decreasing the length of an NBA season, but making it like a soccer league cups type of thing where there's like a early season championship and like a wrap up season championship, potentially spacing those games out a little bit longer or the game density out longer. So players technically get more rest during the season, even though they play the same length of season. I think that's a good idea because personally, I feel like this year and last year, we just see people resting on back-to-backs. We see Embiid and Leonard and some of the Milwaukee guys even, and even guys on other teams, you know, they'll play a back-to-back. They'll rest on the on the second night and just relegate themselves to the loss, which is definitely not fun as a fan. And I think that's what really matters the most in this scenario is we have all these advantages of sports science and training and player sort of physical health. You know, we, we have smarter ice baths and warm ups and travel plans and diets and everything. You know, the players are technically already playing less backs-to-backs than before. I mean, there's no more, like, triple headers for some teams. And there's people are still resting. And I get it for you've clinched a spot, and there's no strategic reason for you to win this game. Like, think the Nuggets right now. Or not, uh, not, the Warriors from last year, it's like, they could have rested all of their players for like the last 10 games and still been games ahead of the Rockets and still had home court advantage in the finals. So it's like, why wouldn't you rest your guys then? But, you know, it just sucks from a fan's perspective because you spend all this time and money getting tickets, going to the game, and then you figure out, oh, game time decision. Steph, Katie, Clay, and Draymond are all resting. And then you sit there and you're like, what a waste of time. And like, it's almost an insult to like, and imagine if you spent like upwards of a thousand dollars on these tickets or travel plans and hotels or anything, food. Like that's like a slap in the face. I'm actually not a fan of resting. Like I, I like it for a p- playoffs integrity perspective, but I that doesn't make up for some of these years where it has been just alright we're going to throw out a D-League team for our last 10 games and just say screw the fan base you know that doesn't feel great and with that uh, that's really all I had on the uh, agenda for today in terms of NBA talk I'm going to be turning on this Lakers Nuggets game soon just keeping an eye on it while I get some things done around the house maybe catch the last half um, definitely check out that, that Sloan Analytics conference uh, really really cool um, 
I'd like to say check out a couple other things too, and that is, I guess this will be sort of my bonus round, bonus rant section. Uh, that is, favorite game in the world, Dota 2 just got a new, brand new hero called Mars. Really cool hero. Reminds me a lot of like a mixture of League heroes skills, but uh, nonetheless, it's in Dota, which is obviously a much better version of League of Legends, which is just an LGBT SJW fest at this rate. Um, so that's super cool. Uh, next week, we've got the Apex Legends Battle Royale first battle pass and new legend coming out along with a balance patch and all these other nice online features which i'm also super happy about and then in the weeks coming past that we have a hearthstone expansion that has now been teased and people are still trying to figure out some of the lore behind it from these teasers uh, so I'm super happy about that because Hearthstone is Omega Stale right now. Um, and on top of that, there is a what? What? I can't even read my notes here. I will likely be gone on the Easter break. Uh, trying to visit some family for the longer weekend. As well as what I've been enjoying recently, these past couple days, is uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, really. So these past couple JREs, Joe Rogan Experience podcast, these past couple days, have been super, super good. Uh, most importantly uh, is the... Not only the one yesterday, but we had... We had last week, early last week, we had Tim Pool on the JRE. If you don't know Tim Pool, he's a former Vice slash Fusion writer that has basically gone rogue and runs his own uh, Tim Cast like YouTube channel where he's basically his own journalist, does a lot of deep digging, and is basically a social libertarian. Uh, really interesting guy. He pulls up a lot of articles about sort of the the double standard in media and tech and um you know the basically the social media problem when it comes to like elections um he makes videos every day at like 4 p.m and 6 p.m really interesting dude he's he kind of talks fast kind of just like ben shapiro where you, you kind of need to catch up to him a little bit sometimes but uh very interesting guy and of course joe being this weird sort of transistor for I'd say non-mainstream opinions uh, really sort of enjoyed their conversation and of course the highlight of the past JREs has been Alex Jones and Eddie Bravo on there for four hours now I have not even finished this one uh, and I'm not a huge Alex Jones fan in terms of agreeing with everything he says However, I do find it absolutely hilarious. Uh, just you know, some of the, if you if you you don't even have to agree with him to find some humor in some of the things he says, uh, Alex Jones wise. And of course, there's been a little bit of social media beef between those two uh, in the past weeks. 
Uh, and they kind of clarified a lot of that. And then Eddie Bravo, the known flat earther conspiratorialist, of course, poked Alex Jones and he poked back and they had all these wild kind of deep state conspiracy theories and Joe's just trying to follow along and it's absolutely a riot. Uh, pretty hilarious in my opinion. And of course, like an Alex Jones voice is always hilarious to me. And then of course, yesterday we had uh, Jay, Joe having another sit down with Jack because his last sit down with Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, did not go over so well. It was kind of a softball interview considered by most people, and uh, it just it, it just wasn't. Uh, you could tell like Joe didn't really have that many really specific talking points. Of course, Tim Pool from last week's episode is a pretty well versed guy when it comes to knowing these stories of people that get banned or suspended or kicked off of Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or seemingly one-sided ideological rule sets that have been applied to these social media slash public discourse avenues of uh, human speech. And so it was Tim, Joe, Jack, and then uh, basically they're like, She, she was a lawyer in a sense that was their like social media policy manager so I guess she's basically the one that oversees whatever committee determines acceptable use and bannable offenses and that kind of thing and they you know Tim made a fantastic point that you know knowing that foreign governments are infiltrating our public discourse avenue of social media, basically Twitter at this point, because uh, that's just where most of the conversation seems to happen. You know, we consider Twitter sort of a public forum now with the Supreme Court and Trump's tweets on there. So knowing that foreign governments are infiltrating this public space and Twitter seems to abide by some globalist rule set that supersedes u.s law but does not supersede other countries laws uh, that it has become intrusive to the public discourse of holding the integrity of the representative democracy intact and therefore tim believes that it should be somewhat regulated which is a pretty interesting idea and at the same time sort of the social media policy manager and tim had a lot of legalese sort of back and forth on is misgendering someone form of targeted harassment and uh they throughout the podcast they went into very in-depth case studies basically case studies of people like alex jones who got banned people like sargon who got banned people like megan murphy who got banned all these other folks you know milo all these other folks uh that seem to come from a one-sided ideologically driven 
rule set of Twitter that I think Tim was trying to get them to acknowledge, but they never wanted the media manager basically rephrased it into anti-bullying slash anti-harassment without with very carefully trying to step around the phrase of ideologically driven rule set. Whereas I think Jack was just trying to sort of understand what Tim was thinking. And there's this, here's the, here's the icing on the cake that I learned post facto today. That is that there is some inside sources of Twitter saying that the people, sort of the the Senate that surrounds Jack himself is very much this sort of one-sided, ideologically regressive left politosphere, and that unintentionally keeps Jack sort of in an echo chamber or a bubble, um, whether he knows it or not. And uh, they... Tim was on Ruben Report today trying to talk about some of that. I haven't finished that quite yet, so obviously I don't know the whole story, but very interesting stuff. You know, as as someone who has been banned on Twitter for things, my advice to anyone on Twitter that might be thinking they would get banned for things is um, don't use racial slurs and especially do not target somebody specifically if you're going to say very inflammatory or hatred or racially charged things um that is what the social media manager kind of expressed most clearly is that if it's targeted harassment it's going to be reviewed at much more seriously than kind of shouting into the void so I guess it's okay just to say it as long as you aren't acting anybody or repeatedly doing it or encouraging a hate campaign, much like the Learn to Code was, which they kind of skirted around too much, in my opinion. I would have liked to hear more about that. And now finally, to end the show, one, I'd like your opinion on resting. Is it good or bad for the NBA? From our experience, the player's experience, whatever experience you'd like to take that viewpoint from. But two... If you guys have any suggestions for what we should be doing to improve the podcast, whether it be sort of this technological side of interviews or content-wise or audio-wise, but more importantly, do you have any suggestions in terms of networking? So I recently I've been thinking a whole lot about uh, sort of how to grow what we're doing here. Um, I was at the jazz game and I was kind of sitting next to a lot of the radio announcers and I was questioning myself whether or not I should give them, you know, sort of a plug to my podcast or not. And I figured that would be kind of super cheesy and unprofessional. So I didn't do it um, because they probably have their own, you know, they're obviously a competing space. Uh, You know, why would they want to do that to someone that averages, 10 viewers. So if you guys have any suggestions on ways that we could grow the network, please let us know. Um, 
obviously working full time, it's kind of hard for me to invest a ton of time into the networking side of things, as well as trying to do some other things on the side. Um, but it is something I w I'm trying to look into and trying to understand because the social media space is not really my forte. You know, I'm not someone that really invests a lot into my personal social media presence. And I've tried to invest a little more into this brand than I have into my personal brand. You know, you think nowadays it's so, it seems so hard to get by online without professional photographies of popular places around town or, you know, um, like uplifting inspirational quotes or like even professional headshots. So let us know what you think about that. And that'll wrap us up for today. So if you have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, feedback, you, of course, can do it in the comments section below or at the email associated. Uh, of course, you can find us on uh, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, and I think iTunes soon, now that we're going to be boosted on SoundCloud. So that'll be very nice. And we will catch you guys on the flip-flop.